Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio, entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you've just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show, and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has spent all week trying to work out why Mary actually owned a little lamb. Any, <laughs> any results yet, Heather? Any thoughts on that? No, I've got nothing. You've Aloha. Not- You've no idea why she owned a little lamb? No. Okay, come back next week with more details because I'm sure our listeners are hanging on your every word. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Heather. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim recently realised that if you arrange the letters in mother-in-law, they can come out spelling woman Hitler. Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall still see if this is the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. Greg once thought that pubic hair was in fact a character from a Disney film. (laughs) So... Was it me or was last week's show one of the best we've ever done? It was maniacal, wasn't it? It was good. Just constant. This is uh, what happens when you have a lot of sugar and fizzy drinks before you go on air live. That was, in fact, uh, show 12 of the season. And if you want to go back and listen to how maniacal that show was, just go to our website at 
www.archivesradio.net or you can go to iTunes to find the archives for more questions than answers. And please do join our Facebook wall, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories and much, much more will be listed. And we are currently followed by nearly three and a half thousand Facebook users. It's a lot of fun and very informative. So tell your friends about the show and be sure to share our links on your Facebook wall. I would be very grateful. So recently, team, we had an interesting investigation in a haunted barn in the southwest corner of Minnesota. The farmer on that particular land had a lot of issues, didn't he, in his barn. He was afraid to go in there. He felt a very dark presence and uh, we decided to go out there. Free, of course, we're a non-profit organisation, the International Paranormal Society. And all of us around the table tonight were actually on that investigation. It was very interesting for me. While we was in there, we had a shack hack or a ghost box, as you call them, running. One of the things that always interests me when we're on an investigation is when the spirits call out your name. Because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it the case that during that investigation, all of our names were called out at one point or another Yes. during that particular session that we had? So it shouted out Adrian, shouted out Kim. I think Heather, your name was mentioned, and mm-hmm. Greg. Why I find that interesting is because we don't go into these buildings to start with and introduce ourselves. We don't say hi. You know, if we if we're in a in a particular uh, environment where that's going to be useful to us, we will do that. But those names came through before we'd introduced ourselves, so that must indicate that they have a prior knowledge of who we are. So they're sentient, or they've they've followed us from our location, or they've been listening to us, but. One of the things that's interesting is that when you talk with your friends, for example, I don't say, Kim, can you do this? Or Kim, have you seen this? Or you just talk to the person. You don't use their name that often, do you? In a, in a situation where you're with friends and colleagues. So if the ghost is listening, I don't believe for one minute that it knows my name because one of the three of you have called it out in the couple of minutes we've been there. So that suggests they must know we're coming. That suggests they've been present perhaps when we've been discussing the case or driving for example on the way there i mean do you have any suggestions as to why perhaps they know who we are do you find that chilling as well because when it calls out adrian it calls it out in my accent it's in an english (laughs) accent and i find that odd as well that you know it would mimic me for example uh, and call my name out but i mean is there anything you want to add to that is there anything you remember for example heather from that particular investigation I think the thing that impressed me the most was the um, the person that owned the place after we had been there. Uh, I've never seen anybody happier. He felt like he got his place back, and he didn't waste time to say that much to us. He was just over the moon. He said, thank you so much, and I, that was reward enough. And he honest. even had a physical appearance change with his... Um, yeah. How, how healthy or not he looked. He was just that much better. You're yeah, absolutely right. It felt like there was a weight lifted off his shoulders. He was very grateful because he was actually frightened to use this particular building, which was doubling up as kind of a woodshed and a bit of a workshop, wasn't it? Does anyone else remember any of the um, words that were coming through or any of the particular um, audio? Greg, what do you recall from that? Uh, on the audio, I don't remember what the comments were, but they were inter- uh, imitating you, your accent. Yeah, I find that very so, odd. A couple of times. And it's not its not just a case of imitating like everyone in this country comes up to me and is suddenly Austin Powers. Because I can do a really good impression of an American doing a British accent. So the moment I open my mouth to a complete stranger, 
the things I normally get back are things like, Cheerio, Pip Pip, would you like some chocolate? And I'm thinking, I've never met anyone who speaks like that. That's kind of, <laughs> that's like Second World War film, you know, British film, you know, English. What happened during the Second World War is that when we started to fight with the Germans, the only people that could fly aeroplanes were the rich and privileged, the people that had gone to Eton and the like, because the average working class man isn't going to be able to fly an aeroplane. And so subsequently, the first few months of the war, um, everyone that could fly a Spitfire or a Hurricane, for example, spoke with a very plummy Eton accent. Oh, no, Jenny's bought it. Three o'clock. What, what? Pip, pip. And uh, subsequently, they all got wiped out within the first few months. And the working class man suddenly got behind the uh, controls of Spitfires and the like. But, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's odd. It's, it's not just an imitation of my accent. It is my accent. It's me almost talking on the... Uh, on the shack hack there coming back to me which, which is means you odd. have to interpret everything that we recorded on that part <laughs> <laughs> like rosetta stone it just said this and it just said that greg do you recall there was some uh, almost chanting as well at one point wasn't there it was very odd yeah there was and it was it, it was like it was behind the the ghost box it wasn't coming through on the ghost box but you could hear it kind of through the recordings yeah behind yeah. it and and looking on audacity you could not see the wavelength change at all when the chanting was going on. And that that's weird. It, if there's sound, it should be showing up in the wavelengths. You're absolutely right. That was very odd. I've not seen that before. But it was very interesting. I always prefer the audio evidence we get that is uh, very long and goes for a prolonged period of time. And as you can hear the shack hack skipping between stations going, de, 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 you, you can hear this kind of Native American chanting almost running through that so that's very interesting what i might get um greg to do for us next week is to perhaps edit those um so we can actually play them live on air and you can listen to them as well might be fun to do that the other thing that was very odd about that investigation was that you've got a camera that you carry around with you greg and what you saw on the camera as you panned around the barn now i take on board the fact that barns are full of dust and sawdust and the like and this one was but you had your flashlight in one hand you had the camera in the other and just as you pan around there's these orbs that kind of dance and go from left to right but they're only visible um i, w I will say that the camera of course doesn't have a flash on it normally when you see an orb and it's dust you take a series of photographs the flash goes off it bounces the light off the dust back to the camera and you get an orb this is actually video footage so bearing in mind that the camera doesn't have a flash on it constantly going off these orbs kind of danced from left to right for some considerable time and they were quite fast as well i mean is that is that an accurate description greg what did what did yeah, you it is uh, the flashlight i was using is a very narrow beam and it was outside of the actual light beam that we could see and it, yeah. it was random and the rest patterns. the rest of the filming that you did where you used the flashlight looked completely different so it was not the flashlight now, when you shine a flashlight, of course, the dust dances through it and it only reflects. This had a constant, um, I would almost say it was producing an energy. It was producing a light rather than, you know, it was emitting is the word I'm looking for. It was emitting a light rather than reflecting a light. And you can actually see that going across the screen. So, again, uh, I might get Greg on task, our tech expert there, to maybe get a clip of that. And we can put that on our Facebook site as well. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. 
So, this is our Valentine's Day special. So I want Yay. the panel to tell me, there's a groan there from the back. So I want you to tell me the worst, if you can remember, of course, the worst date you can remember, or perhaps a terrible chat-up line that was used on you, or a memorably bad Valentine's gift. I, I'll start, I remember having a romantic meal once with candles and roses. Um, they tasted terrible, but there was plenty of roughage. <laughs> so, in fact, it's a strange word, roughage, isn't it? Because in many respects, it should actually be called smoothage. Wow. There are more questions than answers. Why is roughage called roughage and not smoothage? Heather, you must have a story. Of a, and bearing in mind this show's only an hour and 15 minutes long. Do you recall a particularly bad date? Or do you remember a gift that you got that was particularly bad? How about prom? Yeah, we're going back that far. <laughs> what, when, when the world was black and white and we had electricery. Yes. Okay. Queen. Uh, uh, yep, they know the story well. My prom date said i'm taking you out for dinner and <laughs> so uh, hang on then so the choices would be something quite posh i would think for prom date Are we look, i mean absolutely. something as posh as red lobster for example or olive garden it was <laughs> it was dairy queen oh yeah uh, that's where we had supper and to top it all off they didn't even have a table inside we had to sit at the picnic <laughs> table outside the dairy queen <laughs> So the big question on everyone's lips is, did you put out on the back of that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For any of our male listeners there, it takes a, uh, apparently a Dairy Queen cheeseburger and we're away. <laughs> that does sound particularly rough. <laughs> Greg's weeping in the corner. Kim, Kim, you couldn't have gone through your life without having some kind of uh, tragic date story or some sort of terrible Valentine's Day gift. I am not thinking of any right offhand. I'm, I think I maybe am spoiled. What you could do is tell our listeners um, the story about how you met Greg and then completely forgot about him and then how you met Greg again because I think that's a fabulous tale. Oh. Well, when we met again and we drove to my hometown and I showed him where I grew up, he said, oh, I brought a girl home there one time and she used to work at, and I won't say the name of the business. It's a pizza business, isn't right? it? Right. Yeah. And I was the only one in my family that had ever worked at that pizza business, so it must have been me that he brought home. So we had figured out that how many years would that be difference? 120. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 35. Yeah, 35 years so Greg was being from the a, first time he had brought me home. So Greg was being the gentleman. You didn't have a ride home, and he didn't know you, and you were just right. a mere slip of a girl. And he took you home, dropped yeah. you off. And then 35 years later, when you met again, you shared that story and you didn't realize that you'd been taken home by your future husband. Right. And then he got chewed out. What, for not getting your number? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you'd have started dating, then you'd have been divorced by now. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, is there anything you'd like to add to this or are you uh, pleading the Fifth Amendment? I'm not going to add any more to that story. <laughs> <laughs> what about the next story? You must have had a tragic date or, or a bad Valentine's gift. Oh, he had oh. an ex-girlfriend that became a nun. <laughs> <laughs> Is that one? That's one up from being a lesbian, isn't it? I just. <laughs> Greg likes to think that once you've eaten, there. yeah, <laughs> once you've eaten at the top table, there's nowhere left to go, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on, I don't buy the whole roses and candlelight dinner story. I honestly, at the moment, like Kim, can't remember. A, a date that went tragically wrong, unfortunately. I mean, I'm a... None where you ripped your pants or... I did rip my pants once when I was a teacher. That was quite embarrassing. I worked in an art department, as you know, as a teacher for many years. And I needed to put some children's artwork on the wall. So I jumped up onto a table 
And as I jumped up on the table to try and reach the wall to put the children's artwork, I heard this huge ripping sound. And uh, then you have that moment when you go to explore, don't you? What I'd managed to do is to rip my trousers from the zipper all the way around the back and up to the belt buckle. So we're talking basically just two legs kind of drawn together like chaps. So I've got everything hanging out. What I then decided to do, um, because I had 10 minutes to my next lesson, what I decided to do is I got an apron. You know, to stop the kids getting paint on themselves. I tied it around the front. I then got another apron, put it around my neck and tied it around the back. I then <laughs> shuffled like a penguin all the way to the textiles department, pleaded with the textiles teachers that she could just do a quick sew up of my trousers. So I'm standing in her stockroom cupboard without my trousers on and she's quickly trying to sew my trousers together. If the principal would have come in at that moment, I'm sure we would have uh, both been in trouble. Or promoted if she was a female. She was. Her name was Miss Venables, and I will give a <laughs> shout out to her now. She was a fabulous textiles teacher, and she saved me in my hour of need. There Whoops, go. there goes another teacher's career. We move on to our first round, which, as you know, is hauntings and ghosts. This is a story that wouldn't have escaped anyone's attention this week if they're into the paranormal. With the headline, TV ghost show presenter buys portal to hell house, possessed by demons. <laughs> We're all going to hell in a handbasket. The basement of this house has been described as a portal to hell, filled with demons who torment and possess a mother and her three young children. It's like the elevator, isn't it, from the parking lot to the Mall of America, right? (laughs) During the ordeal back in 2012, the walls of the house allegedly bled clear oil, which froze the finger of a social worker who touched it, and ghostly voices were recorded when police went to investigate. So it may be surprising to learn that the property in Gary, Indiana, has now been bought for $35,000. It will be less surprising to learn that the new owner is ghost hunter Zach Baggins. Baggins, who presents Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel, bought the house and says he has not decided exactly what he's going to do with it, but added that it will probably involve research into the paranormal goings-on. He'll next have world domination. You mark my words, in five years' time he'll be president and we'll be sat here thinking, how did that happen? The ordinary-looking property became world-famous five days ago after the case of Latoya Ammons, a previous owner, came to light. In 2012, Ammons says that demons began to take over the house, that objects were thrown around, her children were possessed, and that the whole family nearly lost their lives. Social workers, psychiatrists, priests, police officers... Doctors and nurses have all corroborated Ammon's story, including one incident in which her son was taken to hospital where staff watched in horror as he climbed backwards up the wall before flipping over his mother's head. This must be the terrible twos, I would believe. Audio recordings taken by police as they went to investigate the paranormal activity also seem to back up the story, as a ghostly voice can be heard whispering, hey, as officers talk. Neither of the officers recall hearing the voice that day. The unusual happenings also attracted the attention of local priest, Father Michael Mignanot, who also set out to disprove the accounts, but ended up performing one minor and three major exorcisms on Ammons and her family, and now swears that he has been targeted by demons himself. Is the minor exorcism like a budget one? Do you get like buy three exorcisms and get one free? Is this where we are? (laughs) Ammon says he saw her daughter levitating above the bed and a photograph has been widely circulated showing a shadowy figure 
standing by the window. Has anyone seen this picture, by the way? I have, yeah. What, what was your first impression of that? It looked like it was superimposed there. I thought it looked like an app on a phone because yeah. as a as a person who's been delivering news on the paranormal the strange and the weird live on the radio since 2008 I've seen a lot of apps be developed when those phones first came out and it looks exactly like a phone app it and it really did it just looked so, super important you know I'm not saying these things didn't exist or didn't happen but I think when you're then creating photographs to make it look like the place is haunted then we start to run into some problems sure. don't we Zach Baggins has been producing Ghost Adventures since 2008, in which he tours haunted places with his camera crew, interviews locals about paranormal activity, investigates areas allegedly plagued by spirits, and often confronts the ghosts. Apparently the current tenant, an unnamed woman, was happy to pass the lease on to him. It has been reported that the woman has had no issues with the house herself, and she has had none of the things happen to her described by Ammon. So that's very interesting, isn't it, that the owner has seen and heard absolutely nothing. Why would it just pick one family? It almost makes me think that I wonder if the family brought it with them or it was attached to the family. If the uh, person who owns the house says they've never, ever seen anything before. Very odd. I'm sure we'll hear more about that. Heather, you're looking like you've got a question or a comment to well, make. D- how many kids did she have? I think it said two. Now I've thrown my script on the floor and got rid of it. Sure, absolutely. Um, so the one was a two-year-old or something? There was a, a youngster involved, yeah. He crawled. Do you remember there's a, a horror film, isn't there, where a baby yeah. climbs up a wall and its head Gross. spins round and everything else? Uh, well, I was wondering if the other was maybe a prepubescent. It's possible, of course. If you're looking for poltergeist activity, then obviously there is a lot of research done. If you remember the famous British Enfield poltergeist of 1977, then that involved uh, two prepubescent girls. And there is a lot of energy um, believed to surround pubescent teenagers, especially girls. And, of course, there is an argument as to whether poltergeist activity is actually sentient, is actually intelligent. Is it just energy that throws stuff around, or can you communicate with it? Can you get a stimulus and response? I personally, and this is only my opinion because that's all I have, um, (laughs) believe that poltergeist activity is probably just energy um, from what I've seen and heard. Um, If you're communicating with it, then at that point it doesn't become energy anymore in the sense that it hasn't got a personality, hasn't got a thought um, hasn't got a sentience it then it then becomes a ghost by default almost so a very interesting story we shall see what happens i guess um it seems that zach baggins now owns a portal into the Great. gates gates of hades so uh he'll be going to hell very shortly <laughs> if cerberus hasn't got to him first i will give myself the first points of the evening i will give myself a resplendent three because i'm bored of five and for no other reason than that (laughs) heather what is your story tonight for ghosts and hauntings oh a man dead three years found at home did they have to i'm guessing the ambulance wasn't rushing for him (laughs) (laughs) but they're going to need a bucket and a spade aren't they rather than an ambulance is this the state of decay where they have to scrape you off the sofa with a fish slice is this where we're going probably maybe a strainer Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, magic. Go on, let's see you. The corpus of a 67-year-old man was found in a home on the Wiedelstraat in Amsterdam East Tuesday, January 28th. Who's been dead since at least 2011? Is that his Dutch name? Who's been dead? Who's been dead? <laughs> Van Who's been dead. That's right. 
Although the cause of death had not yet been officially determined, the police informant ruled out a crime. The corpse was reportedly found in the shower of the home, according to the neighbors. So they, he just naturally used down the down the plug hole and disappeared. I'm guessing. Oh God, I didn't even think about it's that. Not, <laughs> the juices naturally just fell away. Well, that's probably why he wasn't so stinky for a while. That's probably why the drains oh. in the apartment block were blocked up. They described the victim as withdrawn. <laughs> he looked a bit rough. And keeping to himself. Oh, man. That's how they describe serial killers, isn't it? I can't believe he killed 23 people and kept their faces in his oh, fridge. He was such a nice guy and was great with the kids. It's keeping to himself. I'm thinking to myself, nobody checked on him. The neighbors reportedly complained about an odor several times, which the housing corporation claimed to know nothing about. Community Health Services reported in October last year a corpse is found in a home every other day, averaging five a year for the Amsterdam region. Last November, a 10-year-old corpse was found of a woman in a Rotterdam home. About a month later, a woman sounded the alarm because she hadn't seen her neighbor in a while. With the story about the Rotterdam woman fresh in the mind, she decided to call the housing corporation, who in turn called the police. Her concern was proved real when the police found his corpse in the home. That shouldn't be Rotterdam. It should be Rottendam, shouldn't it? <laughs> it says Rotterdam. No, that, that was a joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, well, you're not This would funny. never happen if they had U.S. mail carriers. Is this right? Yes. I don't know anything about how the Dutch received their mail, so I'm going to have to go away and do some research. <laughs> it's a very small country, though. It makes you wonder. I believe I'm right in saying Holland has a population of about 5 million, I suspect. But uh, if they're finding that many bodies, how many bodies must there be in America at this moment in time, during this show as we're talking now, that are just lying in their bathtub or sat on their sofa or... Trying to do a radio show? Trying to do a radio show <laughs> and failing miserably. Well, the other question would be, does Holland have retirement homes? I, I would think so, yeah. Just to make sure, I've not actually seen Greg move for the last 10 minutes, so I might give him a prod and see if he's still with us. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fabulous story. It involves the Dutch and involves... In fact, that's made me miserable, so I'm going to give you minus two. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think I'm going to lie yeah. all alone. And uh, Lorna, of course, who's a good friend of ours, Lorna Hunter who uh, was the state director for MUFON for the whole of Minnesota and runs the uh, Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group, I believe was a investigator on deaths, and I think she stumbled across many dead bodies in her time. I'll have to have her on the show perhaps next week, and we'll have a chat to her about that. Kim, what have you got for us first tonight on all things ghosts, haunting, and paranormal? I have Ghost Baby Born Without Most of Her Blood. So just a sack then, really, I guess. <laughs> um, it's kind of sad at first, but it actually ends up, it's a good story. Okay, we'll stick with it to the end. So I don't want to lose points right away. <laughs> well, how, how, how about you lose points okay. now and then you win them back at the end? How does that work? A California ghost baby survived after losing about 80% of her blood hours before her birth, according to video from GeoBeats. Ooh. <laughs> the infant Hope was as white as a ghost... When she came into the world via C-section, GeoBeat says, she underwent a blood transfusion after doctors were unable to draw any blood. Hope's mother, Jennifer Juarez, said she sought help after the baby stopped kicking three weeks before her baby was due. Doctors said Hope, now six weeks old, had suffered from a fetal maternal hemorrhage and survived because of her mother's actions. So they call this a ghost baby. It's remarkable, mm -hmm. isn't it, that babies are very resilient, aren't they? You, you, you pick them up as if they're made of fragile china. But in actual fact, you can kind of throw them around the room and just 
<laughs> you know, they're quite resilient, aren't they? Have you seen that yeah. woman on uh, Facebook and on YouTube who does yoga with her baby? She kind of swings it around her head and you no, know, between I haven't. her legs and <laughs> up in the air. And I must find that. It's a very interesting watch. Uh, I'm sure the baby will grow up to be very... Uh, in need of a chiropractor? Yeah, well, in need of a psychologist. <laughs> well, I was going down the road of psychologist. <laughs> this baby's the tallest one in kindergarten. It's uh, six foot tall and all the rest are only two foot. Yeah, I'm not sure swinging a baby around your head perhaps is the way to go. But it had a heartwarming end to it, Kim, so you shall have a resplendent three. And Greg has been very good with his sounds so far, and I shall give him a three as well. So we're all tying for three, apart from Heather who's on minus two, but it is all to play for. I have another story in the hauntings round, if you'll let me read this. It says, cops flee from police station as a family dumps a goblin. It says... This is all the police. You'll understand why the police left this particular police station very quickly. It says a family from Bulawayo's Naketa 7 suburb dumped a goblin at the police station, sending cops fleeing in different directions. Like a bag of whoppers hitting the floor in Walmart, no doubt. That's why we had the sounds of the sirens and the police leaving at high speed. The incident occurred at about 8pm on Wednesday. A family that claimed a lodger owned the goblin brought it to the station in a suitcase. I guess we might call that a ventriloquist doll, I, I, I believe. <laughs> it's very odd. I must tell you a very quick story. Many, many, many years ago, I had a friend who was a ventriloquist, and this was his job, and he was a very famous ventriloquist in Britain. Um, he was at the Royal Variety Performance. He did adverts for potato snacks on the television, and as ventriloquists go, most people would recognise him. He was going deaf in his old age. So he decided to go to lip reading classes because he wanted to be able to hear people. So he was in a class, an evening class, for lip reading. It's the first evening there. You get paired up with a partner and you're supposed to talk to the partner and do some tasks just to start with. So he has a partner and uh, he asked the partner what he does for a living and the guy said he was a plumber. The plumber then asked what he did for a living and he said, I'm a ventriloquist. And the guy said, "You will ne- my, my, my mother will never believe me when I go home and tell her that I went to a lip reading class and got paired up with a ventriloquist. And that always <laughs> made me laugh. Real life is stranger than fiction, of course. But apparently this uh, lodger owned a goblin, brought it into the police station in a suitcase. I mean, where else would you keep a goblin at the end of the day? He says, we heard some screams from the charge officer and most officers who had knocked off rushed to see what was happening. At first, everyone gathered around the suitcase wanting to see what was inside. Be careful of what you wish for. The officer said a traditional healer who had come with the family opened the suitcase and a weird looking creature jumped out of a bottle that was filled with blood. No one told anyone it was time to run. One minute the charge office was full and the next it was empty. I think some people went out through the windows because they couldn't have fitted through the door. Fat cops and slim cops all ran for their lives screaming, said the cop. That's incredible, isn't it? Where did you say this was? This is in Bulawayo in Africa. It's incredible. I didn't even know slim cops existed. This is remarkable. (laughs) Police officers... Gave differing versions about how the goblin looked. Some said it looked like a snake with the head of a dog. Another said it was a dog, but with scowls. They all agreed that it smelt terrible. I think I had one of those in McDonald's once. The traditional healer is said to have overpowered the goblin and burnt it. It's all action. Can you imagine if that was your day off and you go into the police station the next day and they say, 
Dave, you'll never believe what happened yesterday. You should have been here. The tradition... That's my best South African accent, by the way. <laughs> the traditional healer is said to have overpowered the goblin and burnt it. Contacted for comment, Deputy Police Spokesperson, Assistant Inspector Nunlove, confirmed the incident. We are handed in a case whereby a 34-year-old man was brought to one of our police stations by members of the community following witchcraft suspicions. It is, however, too early to conclude that it was indeed an act of witchcraft. However, the intelligence that we have gathered suggests that some criminal syndicate could be operating in a similar fashion in an attempt to trick people into parting with their money, all in the name of cleansing their home. We would like to urge people to be extra vigilant as we continue with our investigations, said Assistant Inspector Unluvu. Police are currently looking for a small green scaly creature. Um, the Geico Gecko was arrested, but not charged earlier today. <laughs> that and actually, that ends. That actually reminds me of a story, though, that happened right here in southwest Minnesota. Of a goblin. You, of a dwarf? Have... We'll go goblins and tie it with a dwarf. I, I, will, I will give you points for being interesting and uh, holding my attention, Kim. What happened? Greg, feel free to correct me at any point if I say the story wrong. Um, a special needs person who was living in an apartment called his dad and told him, I have a dwarf in my closet. This is... <laughs> so... You just as we all do, of course, yeah. Sure. And uh, dad, thinking that maybe it wasn't quite the way the son was saying, said, sure, sure, I'll check it out tomorrow. Showed up the next day, and it was a dwarf-sized Jehovah Witness, and the special needs person had locked him in the closet all night. <laughs> so he'd knocked on the door. Yes. The special needs guy thought it was some sort of elf or goblin. Yes. Grabbed this Jehovah's Witness forced him into a closet, locked him in there, and then called his dad. Yes. <laughs> and that just goes to show you shouldn't be knocking on people's doors. That's just a joy. I shall give you an abundance of points, more than you'll ever know. Wow. All of tonight's stories can be found in Glorious Technicolor for your perusal on our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee, where you can see at your own leisure. I'm a very visual person. I'm just getting a picture of this. Where you can see at your own leisure. Who says men can't multitask? I'm uh, working here on the radio and imagining Jehovah's Witness dwarves being locked in closets. Where you can see at your own leisure the graphic pictures and video footage that accompanies tonight's stories of the paranormal, strange and very bizarre. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. We move on to all things that are UFOs, green beasties and hairy men. No, it's green men and hairy beasties. Or either, I don't mind. Whichever comes first, I'm happy. What have you got for me, Heather, tonight for all things UFO and cryptozoological? Oh, this is perfect timing and what a great segue. Because it has a Jehovah's Dwarf in it. Who knew? Yes, it's pretty dang close. Leprechaun steals woman's wedding ring. That'll do. All right. Fantastic. MJ was trying to replace a leaky garden hose, but she wasn't able to unscrew it. So she took off her wedding ring. In Oregon, a woman says a leprechaun stole her wedding ring Saturday in her own backyard. I go to grab the spare hose, but I'm not able to disconnect the old one from the faucets. It was so strongly attached that I decided to take off my wedding ring to see if I could get a good grip. Besides, I didn't want to scratch it. It's amazing how many people take off their wedding ring and then look for a good grip. Their wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> she figured it would be safe to put the ring on top of a little nearby rock. Unbeknownst to her, somebody or something else had a different plan in mind. 
I noticed a little silhouette next to where I left my ring. Surprised by the watchful eyes, the creature grabbed the ring, loaded it over his shoulders, and took off running. It moved very fast, but I was able to see his face. It was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen. It looked like a dry fig, wrinkly and demonic. Oh, we're looking for demonic figs now, are we? Apparently. We need to exercise that watermelon. Stand back. (laughs) I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but I know what I saw. When he noticed me watching him, he started running and screaming. MJ ran back into the house screaming, asking her husband for help. By the time they came out, they weren't able to locate the creature. She she is sure it wasn't a squirrel, but her husband said he is demanding a better explanation. I've never seen a squirrel look like a prune and, and was wearing, what, leprechaun clothes, was it? Something like that. This is an elemental, isn't it, by all accounts? I, I would venture to guess that's probably the case. Uh, she also goes on to say, he doesn't believe me. What can I say? I can't blame him. I wouldn't believe him either. I wore that ring for 40 years. He's pretty upset about it. He says I need medicine, she explained. (laughs) If uh, anyone in the area has seen a small leprechaun with a wrinkled prune face with a wedding ring, be sure to contact the local police department. It's amazing to me. When I used to tour the country doing conventions, working on 100.3 K-Talk, we used to hold... Um, shows and do lectures on all things paranormal and uh, we used to do events like hosting um, premieres of horror shows for example films and the like and it's amazing over the years how many people have come up to me in different places around the midwest with the same story it's very interesting that I had a woman come up to me once at a film premiere and she told me that she'd never told anyone this before but when she was a little girl she'd look through her bedroom window and she would see what she described as a troll with a large nose and a crescent mouth and lots of sharp teeth and long hair and it smiled at her and scared her and she'd never told anyone that before it's amazing that over the years I've been working in the paranormal field people come up to me with their stories for example if you said you was an expert on dream analysis you can bet for the rest of your life people will come up to you and say i had an amazing dream last night listen to this you know i was i was the pastry around a sausage roll or something but <laughs> what could it possibly mean what type of dream is that it's the same one you have when you're a corn dog <laughs> so <laughs> i love this state it's where all the food comes on a stick i've never i've never been in a state before where they give you tools to help with the food um, a bit later on in the process, I guess. <laughs> but the point was that lots of people have come up to me around the Midwest and say that they've seen this character with the large nose and the sharp teeth and the, the crescent smile and everything else. And it's happened to me now at least three or four times um, where people have mentioned this to me just because I'm an expert, as they say, on paranormal and cryptozoological things. And uh, I find that quite remarkable. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily dismiss... I, I get the impression she just lost her wedding ring and she didn't want to tell her husband. So she comes up with this tall story about leprechauns. and Maybe she uh, just wanted a new one. That's also possible. But if her husband thinks she needs medication, I think that's unlikely <laughs> to stop I think that's hilarious. Hang on, I'll get you a new ring, sweetheart. Have you got a quarter on you? <laughs> what is that? Do you not have those machines where you put money in and there's like the clucking of a chicken? and then you A get long a little, time ago. Yeah, and you undo it and there's like... That's like from the 70s or something. I am from the 70s. <laughs> You're from the 70s. Well, I was conceived in 69, if that's possible. But yes, I am a 70s child. I don't believe you. Ask my parents, they were there. I was conceived in a camping holiday in Innsbruck in Austria, actually, which I guess perhaps makes me Austrian. I know that there's some 
oriental countries where your nationality is where you was actually conceived so wouldn't it be great if on your passport it didn't have a country but it has like camping holiday in innsbruck <laughs> you know you could have this abc cinema romford mile, back, mile high club mile high club there you back go back seat of a chevy love truck 1973 plymouth it's all there <laughs> half time with the super bowl yeah so i found that very interesting but when i was a child whenever i did anything wrong my dad would shout out bloody camping holidays because obviously that's where I came from. And for the longest time, I thought he was saying campanologist and I couldn't work out what the link was between me being naughty and people that ring church bells. Um, so there you go. I don't know why I had a fear of church bells, but uh, that's what I thought when I was a child. Kim, I should give you points, Heather. That's a fabulous story. You are now on a very hefty two points. Ooh. Kim, what have you got for me on cryptozoology, UFOs and all things green and hairy? I have a woman who was threatened by an octopus in her toilet. Is that, oh, I don't remember eating that. <laughs> threatened by an octopus when it had a gun. Yeah, well, no. Uh, this is in San Jose, California. A woman was shocked by the sighting of a strange animal Wednesday night. Michelle Klein, 64, was about to take a shower before going to bed when she noticed something not quite right about the toilet seat. <laughs> I was ready to get into the shower when I saw it reflected on the mirror. I wasn't sure what it was. My first reaction, obviously, was to think it was an earthquake. I think that's obvious. <laughs> yeah, if the toilet seats up, I'm thinking, to be fair, if you've been in the toilet after Greg, you'd think there'd been an earthquake. <laughs> then I'd be going I, with a canary. Sorry, do continue. <laughs> then I realized it was no earthquake, so I began screaming for help. I live alone in the house. My husband and I divorced two years ago. I knew right away no one was coming to help, she said. The toilet lid was violently shaking. Inside, a creature was preparing to surprise the retired teacher. Ha, teacher. <laughs> it's going to be a difficult job to flush an octopus down, isn't it? I mean, you know, they're clingy little things, aren't they? <laughs> she says, I thought it was a snake, one of those ugly pets that always come up on the news. But, oh, Jesus, I didn't expect something like this. With the use of a broom, Klein was able to lift the toilet lid from what she considered a safe distance. I, I don't know. You keep a broom in your bathroom? For the, for the kind of motions I'm having, I, I would suggest it's quite a useful piece of kit to have. Uh, she says, I was afraid it would bite me on the feet. I was only wearing a robe, so honestly, I felt quite vulner vulnerable. When I opened the cover, I took a peek, and I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> I, this is putting, I'm never going to be able to sit on a toilet again. There's no way that my bare cheeks are going to touch the porcelain thinking there's an octopus down there. It's a kraken. <laughs> it's a kraken. <laughs> she says a long red arm made its way out of the toilet down to the blue tiled floor. I jumped back and screamed. I didn't believe what I was seeing, so I started hitting it with the broom and it grabbed it. I could see big hooks on it attached to the stick. See, yep. if you eat sushi, you do have to chew your food. This is what's required. <laughs> She says it looked like a squid or an octopus. But instead of retreating, Klein said, her aggressive intervention triggered an unexpected reaction from the uninvited guest. It kept coming at me. It held onto the broom with incredible strength. She said, clenching her fists. So I let the broom go and, I, and it tossed it. But it kept coming towards where I was standing <laughs> next to the door so I wasn't able to run away. These octopuses are very persistent, aren't they? <laughs> She said the story took an interesting turn. The leg's color changed from red to blue as soon as it touched the floor, like a chameleon. 
The incident lasted approximately one minute before the creature lost interest and rapidly went back to where it came from. She said she wasn't able to see its head. What do the neighbors think she was doing in her bathroom? Can you imagine listening to that commotion? She's screaming. She's pushing a broom down the toilet. You can hear a fight taking place. I I have a hard time believing that everything she's described here takes one minute. (laughs) I, I've no. I, I could I possibly comment. I'm almost speechless. We need we need to set one of these things up where you prove it true or not. You know. Well, you're going to find an octopus, <laughs> aren't you, in the Minnesota Southwest? If you can find an octopus, we'll we'll go to the bathroom and uh, for the sake of science, we'll we'll see what happens. You've had a movement like that before, where you've needed a broom handle, haven't you? <laughs> I laugh it up. <laughs> Well, it's just a case of eating more roughage, I guess. I don't remember passing an octopus, though, to be fair. Wow. I don't know what to say. You're on a, you're on a fabulous 10 points. You've streaked into a hefty lead. Can you imagine you flushed that and 10 apartments down, it comes up. And a, is it whack-a-mole where the octopus is coming out of every toilet in the apartment? If you'd have been sat on the toilet, though, can you imagine looking down and thinking to yourself, where on earth did that come from? <laughs> I, this, is, this reminds me of a story in Britain of a poacher that was out in the woods looking at his rabbit traps from the night before. And he was skinning a rabbit that he'd caught illegally and he'd gutted it as many hunters do. They gut deer, don't they, there and then so they don't have to drag the entire weight back with them. But a local pastor was walking through the woods early in the morning and the hunter was hiding in the undergrowth with these rabbit guts and uh, the pastor looked around and he actually got caught short so the pastor didn't think there was anyone looking so he lifted up his cloak he had his walking stick with him as he was walking along and he lifted up his cloak and uh, he did a number two and uh, as he was squatting in the bushes the poacher thought it'd be very funny to drop the rabbit guts where he'd just done his business anyway slightly later in the pub of the local village the poacher's having a drink and uh, he sees the pastor come in ashen his face is completely white and he says to the barman you better buy the pastor a whiskey and the barman says well the pastor doesn't drink he won't be having a whiskey and the poacher says trust me tonight he's going to be drinking whiskey so the pastor comes straight up to the bar and next this whiskey he then proceeds to tell everyone in the bar what's happened that he went for a walk that morning he'd done his business he'd looked down had the shock of his life and then proceeded to tell everyone in the pub that it would have been a terrible thing if it hadn't been for his walking stick because he managed to push it all back up again <laughs> <laughs> and that ladies and gentlemen is a true story i have a final story for this round based on a bigfoot it says a woman claims she helped raise a bigfoot between the years of 1964 and 1972 miss malachetti 70 says she found the animal when he was a baby abandoned in the swamps of louisiana how can she be sure that he just isn't french i ask he was <laughs> there we go that sounds exactly like a frenchman who's just trod on a lego <laughs> he was so little so cute i had to do something about it he was so defenseless laying next to the mud and water, curled up, crying like a little baby. His parents were either dead or they'd been abandoned, or they were extras on Bigfoot and the Hendersons. The hominid <laughs> was 20 pounds and had a hairless face that did not look like a human or a monkey. See, I told you he was French. It's a possum. He accepted me as a friend right away. I took him home only for three nights to nurse him back to health. In the course of those three days, she fed the Bigfoot anything she had at hand, from lettuce and tomatoes to eggs and goat's milk. 
and he liked tomatoes very much. He'd take them away from me with my hand and he'd eat them whole. His favourite ones were the brandy wine, although he seemed to enjoy the cherry tomatoes too. He also preferred the Chateau Remy Martin 1893 to the less popular 1896 vintage. I made that last bit up. I was getting yeah, bored. Bad. After releasing the animal back into the wild, it kept coming back to Malachetti's small house. So every time he came back, usually during the evening, when most people weren't around, I'd give him food. She lived in that house as a single woman and had no children, which made it easier for her to keep it a secret. He was my friend, even though he couldn't speak very well. Sometimes he'd say words I'd taught him in English. Words like tomato, food, love. I bet she said tomato. Hungry. (laughs) (laughs) She may well have done. (laughs) Words like tomato, food, love and hungry, as well as phrases like Republican, candidate and vote for me. Uh Eventually, she says the beast grew up and one night Malachetti received an unusual but pleasant surprise. He brought a friend with him. At first, the other guy was shy, hiding behind the bushes. But little by little, he began to trust me too. So there we were, sitting on my porch, two Bigfoots and high, having dinner under the moonlight. That'd be big feet, wouldn't it? It would indeed. (laughs) I wasn't looking that closely and they're very hairy, but apparently that is the case. Malachetti did not want to give away the location where the alleged events occurred. But she promised that Bigfoots are real and that they happen to be excellent creatures, docile and better than most people. And by the way, they don't smell bad like some say. Just a faint whiff of garlic, perhaps. That's supposed to be like a skunk ape, isn't it? Yeah, I have heard stories about the fact that they smell particularly bad. You can go into the woods and get that kind of musky smell. That is something that's been mentioned um, during Bigfoot sightings. When asked about evidence such as pictures, she replied that she has some but keeps them in a secret location. The only reason I wanted to tell you the story is to show the world these animals are beautiful creatures, she says. But I would never ever betray my best friends. So just a loonly, loonly, that's a, that's a mixture between... Could be both. It's a mixture. Mm-hmm. I've made a compound noun, haven't I, in front of Great. everyone for loony and lonely. <laughs> when a loonly woman um, is on her own, I guess, uh, at least she didn't try breastfeeding them, I suppose. But it just a very strange story about a woman being on her own. She spoke of not wanting to do any future interviews and asked to be left alone. She is planning to publish her secret journal someday, she says. Apparently she saw her Bigfoot friends again recently, though, because uh, she witnessed them on the Denver Broncos defensive lineup. <laughs> we are halfway into our stories. I shall yes. give myself a resplendent <laughs> three, particularly... For that story on now stay with me for more of the same after these short messages from our sponsors the lakes area paranormal interest group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal the group's primary focus is on the topic of ufos but they also delve into alien abductions cryptozoology bigfoot crop circles and ghosts come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who what when where why and how of these phenomena Meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. They also have a fabulous Facebook site as well. That's the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group. It is packed with this week's information on all the UFOs and sightings around the world. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal. And of course it is. 
The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network MUFON meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is of course welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. I would love to hear from you if you would like your business or product advertised live or more questions and answers, reaching the nation and beyond with informative, well-educated listeners of good taste and a love of the paranormal and all things oddly intriguing. You are listening to more questions and answers which makes you very lucky well-informed individuals of remarkably good taste. Well done and drinks all round. Don't tell my mum and dad what I do. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash there are indeed more questions and answers and the more I find out the less I know which means I probably know less than I did when I started. I'm your host Adrian Lee famous for being banned in Lithuania for introducing the world to dirty hobo water and sometimes the annoying inability to say abominable snowman live on air. See I get up early and practice now. (laughs) Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us then where have you been and what could have possibly been more important. If you have just stayed with me then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all array around the room. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has now thankfully stopped snoring next door, so onward we march. Let's just recap the scores for everybody. Kim, you are racing away at the moment. You have a resplendent 10 points. Greg and myself are tied in second place with three points. And Heather, you're not too far behind at the moment. You're on two, so it is all to play for one of the things i'd like to mention which is very odd is that during tonight's show when i've been talking or one of the guests has been talking we've actually heard in our headphones some really strange noises so i don't know if you can hear them while you're listening to the show and this has never happened to us before in real time as it were but we have really sensitive microphones we have the best audio equipment we're in a studio producing this show and during the course of this show we've heard doors slamming We've heard people talking in the background. We've heard really strange groans and kind of roaring noises. How would you describe the things we're hearing through our headphones at the moment? Pretty much exactly the way Mm -hmm. you just said it. So we've been making a note, as we've been going along, we've been making a note of the times um, during our recording that we've heard these. But just if you're interested, um, you know, Greg at one point, our, our producer actually got up and left us here on our own working away on the show to actually go and investigate to see if there was anyone in the building slamming doors or making noises. And there literally is no one here, it's just us. And we have a very secure area to work in. So just as a thought, if you hear anything going on in the background, we're having a very strange evening, paranormally. And uh, I don't know if anyone just goes that. There you go. <laughs> so again, I'm hoping you might hear this. But uh, if you, if you uh, on, when I said the word paranormally, um, there was a noise in the background and it's not us. And... Uh, we can't hear it with our headphones off. We can only hear it through the headphones because what we're hearing through our headphones is what the mic is picking up and the mic is far more sensitive than our hearing. So um be very interesting if any of our listeners during the course of the second half of this show um, want to listen for those things. When they happen, I'll uh, mention it live on air as we go along and we'll see what's happening. It just seems very strange. There was a time 
when I worked on 100.3 K-Talk that I was working in the studio in a soundproof environment with my headphones on and actually heard someone laughing through my headphones as I was doing the show. And then during the sponsor's break, um, in fact, we may have gone to Fox News actually at the end of the hour, we then played back the recordings and that sound of laughter wasn't actually picked up. So uh, hopefully it's being picked up and you're listening to it. So you're listening to a show live about the paranormal with paranormal things going on in the background. So anything can happen. Wouldn't it be remarkable if by the end of this show, the person that won was actually dead? <laughs> and what the are go- you saying? Well, I'm saying the ghost in the room has got three points at the moment for making strange I noises. Gonna, I thought you were going to off one of us. Well, then that's like an Agatha Christie, isn't it? Don't eat the tin salmon, whatever you do. That only cost me a dollar for three. We move on to the strange and the bizarre. Like nothing's been strange and bizarre so far. We move on to the strange and the bizarre. Heather, what have you got for me in this particular round tonight? I'm going to try to tell you some Valentine stories. Uh huh. Man tries to sell his girlfriend listed as old woman on eBay in the worst Valentine's Day gift ever. Ever. I would suggest that if you want to sell your girlfriend, maybe listing her as an old woman. Experience <laughs> might have been the way to go. Do you see what Experienced I mean? woman? Experienced woman would have been better than old oh, woman. You're going to love the way he described her. Listing her as an old woman probably won't do much for your Valentine's Day plans. What's one good way to guarantee absolutely no Valentine's Day sex? Take an unflattering picture of your girlfriend and auction her off on eBay. Sean Coles says he put his girlfriend, Debbie Moran, who he listed simply as old woman, for sale as a joke. (laughs) He even put lack of housework capabilities in her product description. It's not a joke now, is it? Because he's sleeping in the garage. (laughs) Have you actually seen what this woman looks like? Is it worth a bid, is what I'm saying? uh, What? I just imagined a group of Saudi Arabians are going to take her away and she'll be someone's love slave somewhere in Sharjah. A mere 56 bids... And an offer of 1100 plus later, Coles took Moran off the market. Wow. We say, She's worth that just for organ donation. <laughs> we say reconsider your 56 other options, Deb. Coles told ITV that he wouldn't sell her for anything. He's trying to redeem himself, Moran said, laughing before shooting him a death glare. I know he does love me, really, she said. It's just a joke that got a bit out of hand. Might we suggest diamonds for the 14th? I bet they're not laughing now. When you mentioned the word ITV, that brought it home to me. That's Britain, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah, it inde- ITV is independent television. It's uh, the rival <laughs> to BBC. This is, a, this is a British story. I'd be interested to know what she looked like. Um, it's gone. The it's gone. We gone. shall never know. There are indeed gone. more questions than answers. I shall give you a resplendent four, which now puts you... In second place. It gives you an idea for Valentine's Day, doesn't it? Yes, I just need to find an old woman. Wow. What's your mother doing? (laughs) Fantastic. Kim, what have you got for me in the strange and the bizarre? I have Bank of America sends a credit card offer to Lisa is a slut (laughs) McIntyre. Well, that's an interesting middle name. May your mother wash your mouth out with soap and water, young lady. A shocked Lisa McIntyre, whom the offer was intended, took to Twitter to showcase photos of her letter, which allegedly carried a footnote of prestige without the price. (laughs) (laughs) It's been nearly a decade, but a foul-mouthed prankster has finally had their day. 
A credit card offer sent by Bank of America is creating quite a stir after it was addressed to a Lisa is a slut McIntyre. A shocked Lisa McIntyre, for whom it was intended, took to Twitter to showcase photos of her letter, which allegedly carried a footnote of prestige without the price. I don't know what is going on, but having my mom receive mail addressed to Lisa as a slut McIntyre, I could think of a few other last names there. <laughs> yes, one or two. <laughs> is wildly not acceptable, she tweeted on Thursday. The freelance California writer immediately looped in Bank of America and the Golden Key International Honor Society, which appeared to be partnering with the bank on the offer. <laughs> McIntyre wrote that a Golden Key executive went through her entire account and determined the name change took place between 2004 and 2008. So she's had that middle name <laughs> for like 10 years. So she, she says, so it's possible that I've been slutting it up in an Honor Society's database for almost 10 years. She could claim she's Russian. Is it, <laughs> Ivana is a slut or something. I, you know, that's very Russian sounding, isn't it? Then it goes on to say, the inappropriately addressed letter is the second to make news since last month. In January, a Chicago couple who lost their 17-year-old daughter, now this one's not quite as funny, in a car crash received a piece of mail from Office Max addressed to Mike C.A., daughter killed in car crash. You're right. That's not so funny. That's no. not so no. funny. Way to bring us down at the yeah, end. Yeah. 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 The, the good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. And I'm going to say it again, though. I'm post office that wouldn't happen would it i've seen it happen you've seen that happen if mm -hmm. you what someone yeah. putting on straight the I'm worst not, i've ever seen though is middle middle name deceased middle name deceased yes it's like austin danger powers isn't it i'm right in thinking that a large majority of the people around this room and i'm thinking at least 50 percent of us don't like our middle names is that right <laughs> oh absolutely on mine well kind of <laughs> kind of <laughs> I remembered spending an hour with you once, Greg, where you complained at your middle name. Um, I don't suppose live on air anyone wants to say their middle name, do they? Nope. No. <laughs> my middle name's Edward. I'm named after my granddad and my dad. So um, it's Big Ted and Little Ted in terms of my, my dad and my granddad. But I do have the middle name of Edward. Unfortunately, Edward has some strange... One of the worst kings in Britain ever was Edward II. His dad, Edward I, was called the Hammer of the Scots. And uh, if you've ever seen Braveheart, this is when Edward II takes over and we lose all the land we won in the uh, 13th, 14th century to the Scots again, unfortunately. And Edward II was accused of being homosexual. He spent most of his time with male courtesans rather than actually on business of uh, being king. King things, I guess. And so his mum was in exile, came back to Britain from France, captured him, put him in a place called Berkeley Castle. And he had one of the worst deaths ever possibly imagine the worst death you could ever have so what are we discussing here we're discussing uh being married oh man <laughs> anything to say about that greg in valentine's day week well, we could change it <laughs> i'm talking you know you could have a, a wet suit with the bottom cut out and a rampant wildebeest you could be oh, my word. head up you know you could be hung upside down with your head in a bucket of soapy frogs um he had a red hot spitting poker pushed up his bottom until he wouldn't go any further and wow. he died from severe internal injuries. I think that goes back as well because they thought he was homosexual. They thought that might have been a fitting end. Um, but also, of course, back in the day, they had to show the king's body. So if you show the king's body and his head's missing, uh, I, I would suggest most people in medieval Britain would say, hang on a second, the king's got no head. 
Which head? Uh, well, if you put some ointment on it, it might grow back again. <laughs> but if you have a red hot spitting iron placed up your bottom, then obviously when the king is presented, um, for all intents and purposes, he's just going to have a strange look on his face and a grimace maybe. And um, I don't know where this is going, but I I'm sure I'll give myself some points. Um, I'm now on ten. No, not too many. Edward the second, second. You gave yourself seven points. No, because three and three is six. I actually, gave myself. What are you doing, looking at my scores upside down? Anyway, <laughs> what, what comes? When's, when's this become a democracy? Am I going to have to cover my scores up now? <laughs> no, I, I got scores. three from the first round, three from the second round. That puts me on six. I, in fact, I've been very lenient and given myself four for that particular interlude. I do have some stories for the strange and the bizarre, though. Um, and they're very strange and very bizarre. First one says, Prophet drowns during cleansing ceremony. Family blames mermaids. <laughs> self- Those mermaids get blamed for everything, don't they? <laughs> you know? They come over here, they take our money, they take our women, they take our jobs, and they smell a fish. A self-styled <laughs> prophet on Wednesday drowned in a river during a cleansing ceremony in Epworth, giving residents quite a scare. The prophet Simbarashi Kamupondera, 31, met his fate around midday as he was attending to a congregation on the Rura River banks when he was swept away by a strong current. However, the family believes he is still alive, claiming he was abducted by mermaids. Simbarasha <laughs> came to stay with us a month ago. He's been telling us that he has a spirit of a mermaid with him. Simbarasha was praying for a female congregant when he was swept away. The father of two is also said to have frequented the river regularly, taking a bath and baptising people. To be fair, if you had a mermaid with you, wouldn't it be a case of, uh, I won't be long, dear, I'm just going to go down the river for a bit of a bath, you know, a bit of a cleanse, I'll I'll be back in an hour, you know, type scenario. We believe that he was taken by a mermaid and we're not going to mourn him because we know he is coming back. <laughs> that seems very confident, doesn't it? It's almost... I mean, we're still waiting for Natalie Wood to put in an appearance or are we assuming the worst at this stage? Um, when we have not told his... They've not told his wife yet because uh, we know he's coming back. And no one wants to tell his wife that her husband has been taken by a school of busty naked fish. Police details <laughs> at the scene said they were waiting for its aqua unit to attend the scene. And I bet there was fighting to see who got the single aqua lung first. Ever been sexually assaulted by a fish, Greg? No, I haven't. Okay, just asking. <laughs> I had a chub once, if that counts. Oh, God. We move swiftly on to more marine animals in the strange and the bizarre and it says a new species of giant snotty jellyfish has been found in tasmania it's all been a bit mermaid octopus and jellyfish tonight isn't it by the way they're my solicitors they're very good and they're based in minneapolis (laughs) a previous unidentified species of giant jellyfish is invading southern tasmania baffling scientists after one of the animals washed up on the beach and watch out the new species is described as being a type of snotty this must have fallen out of the a jolly green of snotty. Yeah, they they've classified this jellyfish as being a snotty. It's kind of like a slang vernacular. Are there are different types of snotty. Yes, there's three different types of snotty, and I should go on to inform you of them all. <laughs> Obviously, it fell out of the jolly green giant's nose. I would suggest <laughs> the lymph. Can you imagine you've just passed an octopus, and now you've got a jellyfish falling out of your nose. <laughs> yeah, you, you won't be dating that woman again. The lymph family were collecting shells on the beach in Howden, south of Hobart last month when they stumbled across a monster eight foot jellyfish you must have had a big nose eight foot jellyfish on the shore 
So unusual was the gigantic blob that the family took a photograph. Little did the Lim family know that over at the Marine Laboratory, Dr Lisa Ann Gershwin, who has been working with a jellyfish for over 20 years, apparently they do all her photocopying and they make her coffee, has been hearing stories of this elusive animal in waters off the Tasmanian coast for more than a decade. I'm just wrapped by it. Honestly, she says, it's such an amazing find. Dr Gershwin said curious people had been asking her for years about the big whitish jellyfish with pink in the middle off the waters of Tasmania. That's not Britney Spears on holiday, is it? The jellyfish was said to grow quite large. That's not Britney Spears on holiday, is it? And uh, was spotted very often. No, it's not Britney Spears at all. It was not a species Dr Gershwin was familiar with. Probably about five years ago, I finally put together in my head that there were really three different types of species of lion's mane jellyfish in Tasmania, or snotties as they're also called. Yes, snotties, they're actually a bit slimy, she says. In the years since, Dr Gershwin managed to obtain samples of two of the three species of jellyfish which previously were unknown to science. The third proved to be more difficult to track down until now. It boggles the mind. I mean, it's so big. I knew that the species get fairly large, but I didn't know that they got that large. It really was a surprise to me. And then they forward the photograph, she said, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It's a shame that Anthony Weiner could not get responses like that, wasn't it? When she says it was really large in the photograph. But again, it is quite cold in New York, I'm guessing, at the moment. <laughs> we move swiftly on with points to be had all round. We're now into our final round, which is called Not For Your Mother. This is the moment that everyone looks forward to. The panel is looking restless in their seats, raring to go for the points to be had. This is the round where you need to shuffle your mother out of the room. This is where you need to push her into a shower in Holland or perhaps force her onto a toilet somewhere off the coast of California. Shove her in a closet. Shove her in a closet with a midget. Take her. <laughs> Whoever thought that during the course of this show I would be saying push your mother into a closet with a midget. In fact, I've seen a film very similar to that. Midget Ramsey. Midget Ramsey. Would you like to tell the story? You love this story. This is the best story you've ever had, isn't it? Would you like to remind the listeners of the Midget Ramsey story? Oh, there's a little Midget Ramsey. And unfortunately, he was a uh, porn he was star? A, well <laughs> you, need, you need to why, go you why need, are you saying unfortunately well his demise was unfortunate oh. <laughs> everything was in proportion though you'd be glad to know it's not the size of your nail it's the size of your hammer <laughs> oh, you need no. to go back a few steps there's a gentleman and yes. i don't know his real name percy wasn't it i think it was, it was percy. percy yeah and uh, he was a midget and he looked exactly like gordon ramsay imagine gordon ramsay has a mini me he looks exactly <laughs> get out of my kitchen you muppet i've eaten in here it's raw now just imagine that being two foot high and uh, this guy decided he could make a really good living with the unique selling point of working in the pornography industry <laughs> but being a smaller version of gordon ramsay so this is where we are unfortunately midget ramsay is no longer with us would you like to explain to the boys and girls what happened to midget ramsay he met his demise by falling into a badger hole and being eaten. So it's not actually that funny, really. But yeah, pornographic midget <laughs> Ramsey fell down a badger hole and was eaten by badgers. And I don't know why we're laughing. I feel sorry for his family. That may or may not be true. There but is, if it's not true, it's hilarious. There is No, there is a headline that actually says that. If you look it up on the internet, there is a newspaper article that actually outlines all midget of those Ramsey. incidents. <laughs> so what have you got for me tonight? 
I've got a couple of things for you. I have an interactive thing for you. Tonight. Interactive. Now I'm worried. This this isn't going to work well on the radio, is it? If we're using interactive. No, because they can do it at home too. It's going to be fabulous. But what if what if they're driving or operating dangerous machinery? They only need one finger. Or chasing. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone. Well, you can get a friend to help you then, can't you? Okay. The first thing I have is we're going to take a five second test to see how good you are at lying. Is everybody ready? I, I was born ready. In fact, my parents accused me of lying when I was a little boy. And I looked them directly in the eye and said, Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy. And then I walked away like I was the boss. Really? Absolutely. And you never got anything else. Good no, I didn't you. get anything else. That was it. Done. All right. So I need you guys to take your finger of your dominant hand. Which finger? Any finger. Just a dominant finger of your dominant hand. Your which finger? Yes. My mother's finger. You you have a mother's finger that you use very well when you are telling me off. Cue. Use your index finger. You said any finger. You're now no, dictating but, which yeah, one. I, okay. A dominant one. If your pinky is your dominant one, I hate to know what you're doing with your pinky. I thought you said the dominant hand, any finger. No, dominant finger, dominant hand. How many people are having this discussion on Valentine's evening in the dark at the moment? Uh, well, I'm sure somebody's using a finger in the dark. Can you take your ring off? It hurts. That's not my ring. That's my wristwatch. Okay. Now, what I want you to do is you're, I want you to make This is a making really cue. good radio. I just yeah, want to say. Yeah, they're going to be doing this at home. It's going to be fabulous. I want you to make a cue on your forehead. So put your finger on your forehead and do a cue. And at the end of wherever you put your point, your curly point, leave your finger there. So we're now all pointing at our heads. It looks yes. like we've had an accident with super glue. Okay. If only you could see, now, boys which, and girls, what we were doing. Now it says, folks who draw a cue with his tail heading towards their left side. Who has that here? Oh, Who's yeah. touching your left side? Greg's very prominently to his left at the moment, but I think that's just his trousers. <laughs> <laughs> so folks who draw a cue with its tail heading towards the left side are very much aware of how others perceive them. Like being the center of attention and possess a natural talent for telling lies. Oh dear. You, you can't shut Greg up, to be fair. I mean, he's all the way through this show, he's talking about himself. You can't get a word in edgeways. Those who draw the tail facing the right are probably not all that good at lying. Besides seeing how they did not draw the letter in a way that would allow others to see it and instantly recognize it, they probably are introverts. I took the test myself, and Do I, I have to say, "Do I put my agree. finger down now?" Yeah, you can put your finger down. <laughs> Kim, can you take your finger off my forehead? I think you were supposed to do your own. <laughs> I have to say, I agree with the test. I ended up not being a liar. So, what we're saying basically around this table is that Greg's a liar because yeah. he <laughs> now bearing in mind he's in charge of all the sound. Wouldn't it be a surprise if, if Heather's microphone? <laughs> More tea, Vicar. Wouldn't it be a surprise if Heather's microphone now suddenly went silent for the rest of the... In fact, you might get some points is what's going to happen. <laughs> Heather now has no microphone on. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what fun can be had. If you've just come off the road and you're currently lying in a ditch, then I do apologise and I'm sure the police will be along <laughs> shortly. You are now on a resplendent 10 points for getting the entire panel to put their finger on their forehead, <laughs> and if only that was visible to our listeners. Kim, what have you got for us today on Not For Your Mother? I have French man sentenced for using frozen chicken as a weapon. <laughs> oh, no, I said pluck the chicken, sir. <laughs> no! Beaten, beaten. What could be more embarrassing than being beaten by a Frenchman with a frozen chicken? 
I can't think Be, of it. Being beaten by two Frenchmen <laughs> with frozen chickens, I'm or guessing. Or two frozen chickens. Kim, we are obviously looking mm. to uh, gain some points here. Um, a French judge hearing an assault case this week declared a frozen chicken to be a weapon. Would that be assault? <laughs> would that be assault and battery chicken? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> There's points to be had there. I'm up to eleven. Um, the ruling in eastern France led to a 35 year old man being given a year in prison for smacking his ex girlfriend with the chicken he grabbed <laughs> from her refrigerator during a drunken argument at her home. No one's seen the chicken nuggets yet. <laughs> um, the defendant, who was subject to a restraining order, trashed the woman's apartment after clobbering her with the chicken. <laughs> the court may have set a legal precedent for France by concluding the frozen bird amounted to a weapon. I uh, Couldn't you eat the murder weapon? There was a story. <laughs> I, can't, I wish I could remember who wrote this. I think it was Roald Dow. Wrote a story for Tales in Unexpected where a woman was uh, clubbed her husband to death with a frozen leg of lamb. And then when the police came round to investigate, she served them roast lamb and they ate the murder weapon. But I'd have to check that. That does sound very... That'd be like an icicle melting. Or using... You have a a fabulous theory, don't you, about ice bullets as well. Yeah, it was on CSI. (laughs) Being shot by an ice bullet and then the bullet melts inside you. Kim, I shall give you two points. You are now on 12. Heather, have you got another story for me? In the Not For Your Mother I do. I have another category. Valentine's one. Fabulous. This is our Valentine's show, despite the fact that we've discovered that uh, people have tried to sell their loved ones on the internet, that wedding rings have gone missing, and that Greg's a liar. So, uh, Do you have plans for Valentine's Day? Not at the moment, but uh, that's not a suggestion that everyone should write to me. <laughs> well, I have I got a plan for you. Valentine's Day candle at dinner for two at McDonald's. Well, nothing says love more than the chicken McNuggets that's just fallen out of a French woman. It's got complete with table service and music from Ron. Who's Ron? Maybe Ronald McDonald. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was some sort of musical beat combo from the 1960s. It could be. And I, might I say that this is a step up from Dairy Queen? Ron and the Lilettes. It is a step. Well, has it a step up from Dairy Queen? You didn't get serenaded, did you? No, I didn't get serenaded. You didn't answer the question. I did get about a splinter whether... in my ass, though, from was the that... picnic table. Oh, my God's name was she doing? <laughs> I had a slider. She can't go back to that restaurant again. Um, for those of you who are feeling the pinch this Valentine's Day but are desperate to woo their date over a candlelit meal, all is not lost. A branch of McDonald's is advertising their third annual candlelit dinner on the 14th of February from 6 to 8, promising table service and a romantic evening out for couples who fancy sharing a spot of fast food together. Our crew will greet you at the door, seat you, take your order and deliver it to you, the advert says. All you have to do is just sit back, relax, and enjoy your romantic evening with your date. The night will even feature musical selections by Ron. The Valentine's deal inspired a host of musical responses from Reddit users encouraged by the premise of music from Ron. One user suggests DJ Ron spins all the love classics, such as Never Too Much Mayo, The Way You Cook Tonight, Truly Madly Deep Fried, while another said he could play My Grill, I Would Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Eat That. I bet that's been said a few times on Valentine's Night as well. <laughs> do you know how you can tell? Do you know how you can tell the name of a Scotsman? 
Oh. You put your hand up his qu- his quilt. His quilt. <laughs> yep. Because I know a lot of Scotsmen like to do quilting. You put your hand up his quilt, and if he's got a quarter pounder, you know he's a McDonald. God. <laughs> when a man loves a burger and McCrazy in love, the offer must have proved popular with local residents in the area, considering it is the third year running. Ladies, if you went out on a romantic meal and you've spent an hour getting yourself ready and you've done your hair and your makeup and you've got your jewelry on how would you feel as if you rolled up at mcdonald's what would then be going through your mind is what i'm saying he's gonna get lucky to just get a kiss <laughs> it depends where it is i guess <laughs> i uh where's the worst place you've ever have you ever been to a, a, a valentine's have you ever been have you really had a terrible meal out somewhere somewhere that's just been i so think you awful. should ask greg this question Ooh, all, oh, all, all eyes go to Where Greg. did we go that one year for Valentine's? Was it in Mankato, oh, the Sugar Room? The Sugar Room, yeah. Oh, the, the, the Sugar Room. I know the Sugar Room. Yes. Infamous. Yep. Yeah. Anything you'd like to share with us, Greg? You took your but, fabulous wife out for a meal in Mankato. No, we were friends at the time. Oh. And neither one of us had a Valentine date. And you yep. still married him? <laughs> yeah. I put up with her. That's after this one. <laughs> Anyway, I went up to pay the tab, and there's three guys sitting at the bar, and they were talking amongst each other. You know, isn't it nice for guys like us to have a place like this? Oh, and I was scared. Wow. It was her idea to go to that place to eat too. Oh, it was the it changed sugar, the sugar room. room. It changed hands since I had been there. I bet it changed hands in the bathroom as well. <laughs> I don't mind talking about homosexual bars and restaurants. I just don't want it rammed down my throat. We move on. There are points to be had. That's fabulous, by the way. I got taken into a game. You gave Kim points for my story. No, Kim just told a story. It was Greg's story. (laughs) It was Greg's story. I'm sorry, Kim. I would like to give you points. It was Greg's Greg's story. story. Greg, I'm going to put you on a resplendent 10. And you had a fabulous story with McDonald's. And uh, if McDonald's is listening, we all like McDonald's. And if they want to provide us with vouchers, that would be great. So I'm going to place you... On a heady 14. Yay! There's I'm winning. To, you are winning at the moment, but there are more stories to come. My final story of the night says, Bionic hand allows patient to feel. Scientists have created a bionic hand which allows the amputee to feel lifelike sensations from their fingers. A Danish man received the hand, which was connected to nerves in his upper arm, following surgery in Italy. Dennis Arbo, who lost his left hand in a firework accident nearly a decade ago... <laughs> July the 4th has come and gone, but thoughts of it still linger. I held a firework in my hand. Has anyone seen my finger? Dennis Arbo lost his left hand in a firework accident, said the hand was amazing. In laboratory tests, he was able to tell the shape and stiffness of objects he picked up. (laughs) Even when blindfolded. That's the dirtiest laugh, Kim, and you shall get points wherever you go. That is, I bet that's... Uh, let's just cut to the chase, shall we? Every person around this table is thinking, if a man gets a bionic hand that feels shape and stiffness, you wouldn't actually see them for four weeks, would you? <laughs> I'd, I'd be locked in my bedroom and you'd be having to feed me under the door frame with pizza and pancake just to keep me alive while that was taking place. And then I'd come out weighing only 100 pounds with the thread of my manhood hanging from my metallic fingers. I thought you said wang. <laughs> well, I think that still works, to be honest. Do you remember the Bionic Man? We can rebuild him faster, stronger, fitter, longer and wider too, by no doubt. Um, if you had a Bionic hand, I mean, you just wouldn't 
I mean, that's your life ended, isn't it? I mean, you'd never leave the house, would you? That Can would just... you switch out your hand so it's like ribbed for his pleasure? Well, I'm oh, sure well, you just put different types on. <laughs> so you've got like some sort of claw that you could attach depending on... You could have you could have a hand for uh, cooking that's got like a spatula on the end of it, and you could have a hand with a claw on the end of it, I guess, or some sort of hook. You could just swap them swap out. It, switch it out for a female hand if you're a male. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> During the scientific advance... Wow. If only it, if only the hand could learn to cook as well. You'd never need to go on a date ever again, would you? This is the first time that an amputee has had a real-time touch sensation with a prosthetic device. The scientific advance here was not the hand itself, but the electronics and software that enabled it to give sensory feedback to the brain. During an operation in Rome, four electrodes were implanted onto nerves in the patient's upper arm. These were connected to the artificial sensors in the fingers of the prosthetic hand, so allowing touch and pressure feedback to be sent directly to the brain. Mr Arbo, 36, a property developer, spent a month doing laboratory tests, firstly to check the electrodes were functioning, and then with these fully connected to the bionic hand. Of course, as an Italian hand, the first thing it did was pinch a woman's bottom and then it stole a handbag. Oh, <laughs> I have to say, though, that is pretty damn incredible. It's amazing what modern technology can do. I've embraced the digital age, and you can also write to me at mqta at rocketmail.com at any time during tonight's show, and I will try and read as many of your comments and questions as possible, hopefully disproving the old adage that men can't multitask. If I don't get to read them tonight then obviously I shall read them for our next show. I just want to give a shout out as well to Phyllis, who is one of our members on More Questions and Answers on our Facebook wall with Adrian Lee. She wrote a really nice letter to me telling her, telling me how much she loves the show and how funny we are and that she looks forward to listening to us each week. So if you're out there, Phyllis, thank you for the feedback. And if anyone wants to tell us those fabulous things, we're always willing to listen. If you've got anything negative or bad to say, then you can send them to Coast to Coast. Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. This has been a very strange evening in many respects. This is our Valentine's show. And we've had paranormal activity all the way through the show with doors banging and strange noises and people talking, all kinds of mysterious and bizarre things happening. But in last place, there always has to be a loser, of course. And the K2 meter with the dead battery tonight is Greg. So I'm sorry to hear that, Greg. But you have another chance to redeem yourself next week and we're very proud of your noises and in a resplendent first place with the $33,000 IR camera in a remarkable change of fortune based on what's happened over the last 14 weeks Heather has taken the lead she is in first place Kim is resplendent second and I am bringing up in third place on 11 do not fear listener remember i am back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee and please share that site with all your friends and family or email me at mqta and if you haven't worked that already, MQTA is, of course, more questions and answers at rocketmail.com. 
My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to the ghost that's been slamming doors and making noises and talking all the way through the show. To Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Yaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore and all at the International Paranormal Society, Int paranormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group mufon of minnesota rhapsody music in mankato and carl at cactus tattoos who puts me in vast amounts of pain every month it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and i hope you have a fabulous valentine's week and remember be interested and interesting good night